my sermon today was simply just fellowship with God. And we're going to just be in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 this morning. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So we're just going to cover four verses this morning. Uh, But there's a lot to unpack in just those four verses. I mean, this really, just in that quick outline, um, really a quick field guide on... (laughs) what you need to be a follower of Jesus just in in those four verses. I hope you guys know today that God desires to have an intimate and personal relationship with you. And that's really the big theme of, of John's first letter here is, uh, it's just how important that is to have that relationship, that fellowship with God. And as we just jump in this morning, just continue to just think about that fellowship that that you have with God. Think about your relationship with God, your personal relationship with God and and what that looks like. But we're just going to unpack these first four verses. Uh, Just a little introduction to 1 John here. I think it matters because it really sets the tone for, for the whole letter to just know who John is, where John's been. And, and what John's up against here. <clears throat> As you guys may or may not know, John was a, an apostle of Jesus. He was close to Jesus. <clears throat> uh, the Bible refers to John as the disciple that Jesus loved. What a title to have in the Bible. I mean, self-proclaimed, but, you know. It was in the Bible. The Bible was written by God. So uh, the disciple that Jesus loved John 19 tells us that Jesus's last words to John before he was crucified were, take care of my mother. And you, I, that's, I think that gets overlooked sometimes on just how important that is that Jesus entrusted the care of his mom as he was dying to John. Jesus had brothers that you would think would kind of be the guys to take care of uh, mom going on, but uh most people think that Jesus' brothers were saved after Jesus was crucified. So Jesus wanted to know his mom was in good hands. And he said, John, I want you to take care of my mom. And he said, mom, you listen to John. Um, and I think that just sets the tone for how important this relationship was between John and uh, Jesus. Wish I had like a sweat rag or something somebody gave me. <laughs> somebody gifted me a really awesome like sweat rag towel that says preaching is my cardio. And, and I forgot it at my house this morning, but it'll make an appearance at some point in time. Uh, yeah. Um, man. Jesus, uh, John was part of Jesus's inner circle of, of guys. 
not just the 12 disciples, but really Peter, James, and John, um, even closer. Jesus had the nickname, the Sons of Thunder for James and John, and John was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, John got to be there for the crucifixion. John got to be there for some of Jesus' more intimate miracles. Um, And we know most people believe that John was the last apostle to live. And most people think that he just died by old age. And, you know, you, I think about that and go, well, that's nice that, you know, he wasn't like hung or, you know, but I would say like he suffered just like the rest of them. And, and honestly probably suffered more than the rest of them because he did live so long. He, he, he probably did get the brood of it because most of those guys died younger. And, and so I would imagine at some point in time, John was like, all right, Jesus, I'm ready to, I'm ready to come home and see you. You know, the rest of these guys have done that. So um, we hear, uh, there's a lot of John's life that you just don't, it's just kind of, there's not a lot recorded in the Bible about it, but you did hear John does go through sufferings. Uh, at one point in time, they tried to boil him in a hot pot, pot of oil and somehow he came out unscathed. So he definitely did suffer, but John's old and these letters are considered to be some of the latest, the last books written in the Bible, in the New Testament. And John being old age and being through so much with Jesus and seeing that movement of the early church um, is now seeing because he's lived so long, he's, he's getting to see already where just 40 or 50 years down, down the line that, uh, uh, people are just starting to mess up church already. People are just already starting to come in and, and bring their own doctrines, bring their own teachings, uh, I called them the early progressive church um, that John is just getting to see. He saw the early church form and now he's seeing the early progressive church form. And, uh, and really he's at this point in time, he's dealing with these guys that the Bible refers to as the Gnostics um, and they were spreading heresy. Uh, They thought that they, they, they would make up false things that weren't just true uh, to sound like they knew something, to sound very intelligent and uh, sound like they had information that other people didn't have. <clears throat> One of the big ones that they spread is Jesus. What, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Jesus was just a, a ghost or a spirit that, that came. I just imagine John <laughs> hearing those words as a guy who was so close to Jesus. Been through so much with Jesus, laughed with Jesus, cried with Jesus. And, and just how hurt and how passionate he, he would have been to write this letter to this church, experiencing this uh, just absolute false doctrine. Um, say how, <laughs> just imagine just old, old guy, John, who's been through so much, just going, how, how dare you say that? Um, even a place of mad. And, and I just imagine John writing this letter that 
was written by God through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit giving him what it is to write and just, just going, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to really trust you as I just try to write this letter out, you know, super lovingly and not just tear you up inside. So uh, praise the God for John just being obedient to the Holy Spirit when, when writing this letter. I'm not sure that I would have been in a place to, to write a letter when somebody was speaking poorly or coming up with false doctrine about somebody I was so close to, somebody who died on a cross to save us. And as we get into this letter, uh, John's really going to boil it down to a few different things, but it is just loving God that God is, is, should be our light and, and God should be our, our focus for love, for loving others. John's really asking the question through this. Maybe not even so a question, but just he's, he's wanting to make sure you have an understanding. He's wanting to set the record straight here and go, this is what's true and this is what's false. And we see some assurances throughout this letter that we're going we're gonna to see one today and then the rest of them we'll see as we jump into scripture down the line. But some of, some of these assurances that he tells us as he writes this is that our joy is going to be full. We're to see that um, we need to be resisting and repenting of our sin. Something that um, this church in Ephesus that John's writing to is uh, kind of confused about. We're going to see that uh, we need to be protecting ourselves from false teachers. He's going to get into that pretty well. And, and that's, a, that's a big one for the church back then. And it's still relevant today. And he's going to uh, make sure that we have the assurance of salvation this morning, or not this morning, but in this letter, that we may have eternal life. But this morning, as we just break down these four verses, <clears throat> John declares three things in this letter, and it's just, it doesn't start off like normal letters. He gets right into business. I can appreciate that. It's just a real practical point. He's just getting right to the point. Um, and he's going to make three points. And He's going to first declare his witness that Jesus is real, the realness of Jesus Christ. Then he's going to invite us uh, to fellowship with him and with God. And then he's going to tell us that joyfulness comes from that relationship with God. So we're going to jump in and, and break down this text now. And the first thing we're going to see right in verse one this morning is that, uh, John wants to make it really clear. John wants to set the record straight right from the beginning that, that Jesus is, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. And Jesus is, uh, Jesus is God. Is that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own, with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was from the father and was manifested to us. This is the same John that wrote the gospel of John. And he starts his letter off the same way as the gospel of John. He says in the beginning, 
And he wants us to know without a doubt, this man, Jesus, was here in the beginning. He's been here for eternity. He was and is and is to come. And John's making it very clear here that Jesus is no fairy tale. Jesus is no myth. He's not just a spirit that was here. He was a guy that John walked with, that John cried with, that John got to touch and experience firsthand. This is his witness. Jesus is eternal. And you can break down this. The wording gets a little bit weird because verse one and verse three are kind of one thought, and then he sticks like a second thought in there in verse two. And, and so it kind of makes the, the text a little bit choppy, but um, we need to just break it down and, and look at what word of life means. And word of life is a, in the Greek is just a word that means logos and different definitions for logos, but essentially means that an eternal and unchanging truth present from the time of creation. And so he's saying Jesus is Logos, this eternal and unchanging truth that's been here since the beginning of time. And he says that Logos was manifested, made visible, made to where we could see. Easy. Okay. Um, can we just stop and boil this down and just think about just how heavy that is, how big that is, that the Lord of everything, Lord of everything we see, everything we do, everything on this earth, the Lord of eternity made himself a human to, to come relate to us on, on our level, to, to, to come to our level <clears throat> and not only come on our level, but Show us exactly how to live a, a perfect life and then just die to sinner's death for us so we could have eternity in heaven with, with, uh, with God. It's so easy in church to get caught up in everything else going on around you and all the text in the Bible. But when we really just boil this down, I just want you guys to just think about how heavy that is. Just think about that realness. If, if you're hearing this for the first time, I want you to know Jesus is real. I, if, if you're watching online or you're in this room and, and, and you don't know that Jesus is real, that's the, this isn't, uh, I don't think it's any mistake this morning that my first point as a lead pastor of this church is that Jesus is real. It's the most important point I'm going to make. Uh, at this pulpit, and it's the first one. There it is. If I don't say anything else on this at this stage, is is Jesus is real? Jesus came. Jesus is God, and He came to die on the cross for you, so that you could have eternal life. I don't think that's any mistake this morning. So, just boiling this down, it seems like such a simple point for Jesus followers, but. Let's not ever forget what this actually means uh, for God to send himself, a, just weak humans that we are, uh, to get on our level. He doesn't owe us anything. He did it out of love. He did it out of love so we could have that fellowship. We're going to look at how this, fe this fellowship's not possible without 
what Jesus came to do for us. And that gets into just our uh, verse three here, where we're going to see John. <clears throat> we're going to see John uh, really invite us to fellowship with one another and with God. It says, that which we have seen and heard, and we declare to you that we may have fellowship with us, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> John's, this John's just, first of all, what a cool witness that is for John. Just his testimony of seeing uh, and, and actually being around Christ. And, and he wants to make that clear, you know. I was there. And what a cool witness. Um, we can all have that witness too. We didn't see Jesus, but we can feel him and we can be around him. And that comes through a fellowship with uh, God. <clears throat> and so not only is there a God that came to earth that people saw and studied and touched and heard and laughed with and, and cried with, but how cool is it that we can have just a personal relationship with him this morning? How awesome is it that our God wants to have a personal relationship with us? We're nobodies. We're, how many people are on this earth? We're nobodies. It's, 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 it's an open invitation to everybody. And all you have to do is uh, know who Jesus is to, to have it. It's an open invitation. It's not just for, it's not just for the people that are, doing well at following the laws of the Bible. It's not just for those who are in certain uh, races or age groups or genders or anything else. It's, op it's an open invitation to us all. <clears throat> that word fellowship, it means koinonia in the, in the Greek which speaks on sharing, having a communion, some common bond, um, a common life. Uh, and it's a, some, it's a living, breathing, loving relationship with another person. It's a really rich word. Fellowship doesn't seem like such a rich word, but koinonia, the, the word that it translates to, is just that rich uh, relationship that you have with somebody. It would be a close personal relationship that you would have with somebody, maybe like a brother or sister, or a father or a mother, a best friend. But how is it that weak, sinful humans like ourselves can have anything with common, with uh, high and mighty, all holy, eternal, holy God? How is it that we can have anything in common being in a place where we're just nobodies? That we can have a relationship with, with somebody so powerful, with a being so powerful. But it's because God in his grace sent, sent Jesus Christ to have something in common with us. He wanted to have something in common with us. He, he 
paid that price. He paid the price uh, for our sins on that cross and opened up a way for us to have repentance and forgiveness. <clears throat> Jesus bridged that gap to make this all possible, to make a relationship with God possible. Relationship with the Father is only possible because of the Son. You have to believe and trust in Jesus and, and what he did this morning to, to enter into that personal relationship. And what does that personal relationship look like in your life? I pray that it's more than just being here on Sunday mornings. I pray that your personal relationship, that's not a very good friend. If you want to just bring it down and, and boil it down to having something in common with somebody else. And if you have a personal relationship, think about your best friend. How often do you talk to your best friend? Is it only on Sundays at 10 a.m.? Or are you getting on the phone with them? Are you texting them all the time? Are you in constant communication with them? Are you getting deep with them? Are you sharing your problems with them? Or are you hiding them? Are you praising with them? Or are you only hitting them up when you need something? The same characteristics of uh, kind of friendship are this, we can just kind of apply to our relationship with God. <clears throat> what kind of relationship do you have with God this morning? And I hope it's a relationship that's rooted in, in what Christ did for us. John also brings up the, we should have fellowship with him. And I don't think he says that first because he thinks that's more important. Obviously, our relationship with God is our most important relationship in life. Uh, but he brings up fellowship with him. And for us, that would mean maybe fellowship with other Jesus believers. That's a big one. I think he says it first because oftentimes the way people come to know Christ is through fellowship with Jesus followers first. How many of you in this room uh, came to Christ through knowing a Jesus follower first who, who led you there? I know that's, that's me for sure. And so that fellowship matters, not just for us going and making disciples of new people, of new Jesus followers, but um, just in our everyday walk as Jesus followers, being equally yoked with one another and sharing each other's burdens. <clears throat> We're all connected in this body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We all have this in common, right? We're all Jesus followers. We all believe that Jesus did what uh, Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, right? then we have this koinonia with one another that's rooted in, in that Christ. It's rooted the center in Christ. <clears throat> We're a family in Christ. And, and just like I already said, healthy families, uh, they love one another. They serve each other and they go through life together. <clears throat> the people you spend time with matter. You guys ever just run into like, I don't know, somebody wearing like a Christian t-shirt at the store and just go, oh, I like that shirt. You find out that they're a Jesus follower. You end up talking to them for 20 minutes. 
Do we just become best friends? That's how it works, though. And it's because we share that commonality with each other where we just go, man, we've got this in common and we're brothers in Christ or we're sisters in Christ. It's so cool to see that. It happens all the time to me. That's what Christian, cheesy Christian t-shirts are awesome. Um, but it's just amazing to see that it's that fellowship that can happen um, with complete strangers because we're all rooted in Christ. <clears throat> but the people that you spend time with, they matter. Are the people that, that you run with on a daily basis, are they people that are strengthening your bond and relationship with God? Or are they people that are uh, weakening it? Are you growing with these people or are you, uh, are you going the other direction? It's kind of funny that this last week in the movie theater, Jesus Revolution's been crushing it in the movie theaters. Praise the Lord. But did your friend group go see Jesus Revolution or did they go see Cocaine Bear? I don't know. One of them bears fruit. No? Not even from, no? That was good. That was a good one. Okay. It's not Cocaine Bear. <laughs> who you spend time with matters and I don't think the church does a very good job the modern church doesn't do a very good job of spending time with one another um, we just don't and it's one of these things that I don't think that we spend enough time together. Uh, where am I going with this? Just stop and regather my thoughts. The, I thought the joke was going to land harder than that. <laughs> um, the church doesn't, I don't think the church does a very good job sometimes with this. And I, I pray that we become a church that can just be rooted with one another, bearing each other's burdens. Um, Anxiety and depression are something that's at an all-time high, and it has been. It's just on the rise. It keeps going up, and it's something that it's something that's unfortunately that enemies using to just get in people's heads and go, "You need to isolate. Nobody cares about your problems. You know, nobody wants to hear your problems. Uh, people are going to think you're weird if you want to come uh, get into a, a group." it's so easy to isolate. It's so easy to feel like your problems are too weird or, or I don't know, too heavy for somebody else to know about. Uh, you worry that you're going to feel judged. You worry that you're just not going to fit in. But I'm telling you as, as Christ followers, we need to be people lifting each other up. We need to be people that are coming around each other. We need to be like that first church in acts that we're gathering daily and not just on Sunday mornings. <clears throat> we, need to, we need to do a better job at this church, and, and I hope we start. I, we do, man, I love that we have so many home groups going, and, and, uh, but I'd love to just see, I'd love to see just church doing life together on a, on a daily basis. Could you imagine how awesome that would look like in our lives to just have 
just constant fellowship with just Jesus believers, just how strengthened the church would be, just how strengthened our relationship with Christ would be if, if we're always just lifting each other up, bearing each other's burdens, praying over one another when, when times get hard, praising with one another. Just always shoot for just lifting each other up and, and becoming closer as a church, becoming a church family. John's going to round out his letter uh, with verse four and just telling us that true joy or his introduction to his letter by saying just uh, that true joy is a relationship with God. And verse four simply just says, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The result of having that relationship with God is joy, is that true joy, that, that joyfulness. Joy has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with your relationship with God. And again, we just live in such a fallen, broken world right now where more than ever, I think people are just seeking out joy. In, we're on just one giant hunt as a culture to find joy. And we're looking in the wrong places and it's, you know, maybe if I get, maybe if I made a little bit more money, it would bring me, bring me joy. Maybe if I had a girlfriend or boyfriend, if I started a new hobby, if I had that new iPhone, maybe if I changed my identity or my sexuality, I'd, I'd be finding joy in that. Maybe if I just, maybe if I started drinking, Maybe if I did more community service, I, the list goes on and on where we're just seeking for joy in all these things. When it's simply just right with a relationship with God. <clears throat> Jesus says in chapter 15 of John, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as you've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. I don't know how many out, out there tonight are just looking for joy in, in places when it's just so easily right in front of them. Jump into the Bible. Spend a little bit more time with God. <clears throat> Start fellowshipping with one another. You'll find the joy you're looking for. Joy, true joy comes when we have a real relationship with a real Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and as we just get into this letter, we're just going to look more and more about what how important this relationship with Jesus Christ is. You just want to break down John's letter this morning. It's, I saw Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I know Jesus personally. You have to have that same relationship with Jesus. You, you have to know Jesus like I knew Jesus. Because I need you to have fellowship 
with, with me and, and with Jesus. I need you to know that that relationship is, is the most important thing. And it's going to bring you joy. It's going to fill you. It's going to fill that void in your life that, that pit that you've been trying to fill with other things. <clears throat> the good news is that uh, we have a God that desires to have that with us. Be pretty hard to have a relationship with Jesus and with God if God didn't want to have that with us. But I think that's what God wants more than anything is for, for you to just have that personal relationship with him. And I think it can also, I think we have to just also look at who God is, his qualities. Because the reality for some of us out there is that that scares us to death to think about having a close personal relationship with an almighty God. Uh, as David Guzik put it, a commentator I, I like to listen to, he said that's like telling an eighth grader to go have a relationship with an assistant principal. For some of you, that's the truth. It, it, eighth grader don't want anything to do with the assistant principal. Um, most of them anyway. But when we know that God just wants what's best for you, God loves you, God, God's here to bear these burdens. God just wants what's best for you. <clears throat> God's loving. God's forgiving. God doesn't hold grudges. He just wants you to enter into that personal relationship with him. He just wants to, can, wherever you're at, he just wants you to strengthen that relationship. He just wants you to go, I want to see more of you. I want to see you more in the mornings. I want you to pray with me more. I want you to worship me more. <clears throat> I want you to have a conversation with me more. <clears throat> I want you to ask yourself this morning, you know, in your heart, deep down in your heart that Jesus is alive and real because we can't have relationships with a dead man. Jesus is alive. He was crucified for us. Took that burden so we, he could bridge that gap to where we could have this relationship with God. But if Jesus was just a human that just died one day, uh, this, none of this makes sense. It's that Jesus rose again from the dead and is alive uh, that we're able to have a relationship with God. <clears throat> How's your fellowship doing with others in this room? How's your fellowship doing with God? Here's the big test. Are you becoming more like God? Are you becoming more like Jesus Christ in your relationships with him, in your relationships with other people? Are you striving to be more like Jesus with those relationships? I am I just, again, at the beginning of this, I said, we just need to seek him out and we need to seek him out daily. We need to just be people that are just fully comprehend what Jesus came and did for us 
and what that means for us so that we can receive that joy. I want each and every one of you in this room to receive that joy. I want that joy to be multiplied. I want that joy to go outside of these walls and go reach other people. The world needs joy and they're not finding it uh, in any of those things above. They're not finding it in this world. It's not in this world. It died and rose again and went to heaven 2000 years ago. They're not going to find it unless we go tell them about it. They're not going to find that unless they see the joy in your hearts. And John's going to talk about this being the light. We need to be the light in the world. Let's continue to just have that relationship wherever you're at in that relationship, continue to strengthen that relationship. Make sure it looks like a relationship uh, that you would have with a best friend. Don't have that relationship that's just surface level. Don't just go to God when you've got issues. Go to God and celebrate with him. God wants to hear your problems and definitely let him know. Pray to him. But uh, just like the Bible says, be in constant prayer with God. Be in constant fellowship with God. That's where we're really going to see growth. That's where we're really going to see ourselves grow closer to God and become more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite my prayer team to come up. I'm just going to encourage you guys today. Please come get prayer. Please come down and, and get prayer. Wherever you're at in your walk, If you don't know Jesus this morning, come get prayer. Come ask somebody on the side. Come ask me afterwards. We'd love to just pray that prayer with you. You would accept Jesus into your life. If you're somebody that knows Jesus this morning, come ask for prayer to to get closer to God. More of you, Jesus, and less of us.